everyone, and welcome to another episode of Detecting the Marvelous. I'm Lainey LaRose, here with Dan Rosen and Matt Ardill. And we tonight we have a special guest, Ashley Cooper, and we are mm. talking about none other than Nightwing. How's everyone doing today? Mm, doing great, well. great, yeah. How is our guest of honor, Ashley, doing? I'm doing awesome. Nice, yeah. Um, so I... I really wanted to have Ashley on the uh, show. Uh, Ashley's, she's a big, uh, I know, comic book fan. And I think we often have had talks after Marvel movies and stuff like that. Uh, so uh, someone who's also really into it. And uh, I don't know how much you can talk about it, Ashley, but you've actually got a big comic book related job coming up. Yeah, I, uh, I am a video game writer. I work at Motive on the Iron Man game. Awesome. Oh, that's so cool. So have you already started working on that game or? Yep. Sweet. Nice. So like, what's it, what's been your, I want to ask, what's been your favorite part? Obviously, I know you can't tell like uh, everything. So just give us the secret stuff. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All the stuff that the NDA says not to share. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, because I mean, like, I remember when you announced it. And so like, what are you excited about writing on an Iron Man video game? One of the things that I enjoy the most is all of the homework you get to do. Uh, you know, d- diving into just the deepest recesses of a character's history to like look for interesting lore or thing <laughs> like characters you wouldn't expect to hear from or like, you know, the researching villains and the billions of iterations of certain characters there have been and stuff like that. Like there's so much to pull from a character that's been around for that long. And it's really fun to just like fill in the blanks that you have, you know? Um, I worked on Gotham Knights a while ago as well. And I got to basically do the exact same thing. Whereas like, oh, like I know a lot about Nightwing and I know a lot about Barbara Gordon, but I don't necessarily know a lot about, oh, Jason Todd. Okay, let's go down a rabbit hole about Jason Todd and then read about all about the outlaws and like all, you know? Um, it's just really fun to kind of like start filling in those blank spots on the map, so to speak. That's cool. It's like, we, it's like when like in school you have to it's like research the founding fathers or like the seventeenth yeah. yeah. <laughs> about things that are like fun. Yeah. <laughs> now you, I I obviously again not spoiling anything, but are there any comic runs of Iron Man that you got to look at that you've really enjoyed that you maybe hadn't looked at previously? I can't say anything out loud for fear that anybody will take that as a hint that I was researching it specifically because it has to do with the game. Yeah. Um, but I am having a ton of fun. Nice. Yeah. And, and I mean, he's such a nuanced character compared to like a lot of superhero characters as well. Like he's so tr- he's got layers. And so that's got to be fun to write. Oh, yeah. And it's cool to see like there's more like script writing being brought into these video games. Like I've seen like it's even there was I think Spider-Man 2 game that was recently released and people seem to be really yeah like, coming up. Uh, Spider-Man 2's on its way. October. It's on its way, yeah. But they I guess they're just showing the like every now and like every other day on Twitter Spider-Man 2 or some other Spider-Man character is like trending because of this game coming up. So. Yeah. Which means I got to finish all that DLC and get through the Miles Morales game too. Now, gosh, I got home. Oh, have you not played Miles Morales? It's so uh, good. Yeah, I started it, but I'm like, oh, I need to go back and finish the DLC first. And then there's just like the I'm, I get 
completionist about it. So I'm like, I, oh, okay. I didn't perfect that 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 mobster base. I got to go back and do that again. And it's like, I got a problem. I have a problem. <laughs> I respect that. I re- I respect that. It's very it's very tempting when you play an open world game. You're like, ooh, look at all those icons. I got to get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just give us a bit of a history lesson, which is probably all old news to you. But for the listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with Nightwing, um, they're an interesting character because they're kind of the first legacy character in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, there's only so long you could have the boy wonder being the teen wonder when he was at Hudson University. After about 40 years, um, they they kind of realized maybe Robin needs to move out of the Batcave. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he Dick, who grew up and started to lead the Titans, um, so assumed the role of the Titans right around the same time Jason Todd moved in uh, his ill-fated uh, for his ill-fated time with the Batman family. Um, ill-fated? What do you mean? Did something happen to Jason Todd? Oh, uh, spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> spoilers from something that happened when I was like in high school. So. Uh, but uh, yeah, so he was created by Robin Marv Wolf. Uh, or sorry, He was created by Marv Wolfman and George Perez, who had been... Um, shepherding his time in the titans uh so they 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 were the ones who came up with the idea to turn him into nightwing um and that sort of started around issue 39 of uh tales of the teen titans from february of 1984 uh so that's when he packed up his half cape and his pajamas um and and this actual era kind of shaped a lot of what we later see so this is where we get the relationship with starfire where who he almost married uh, leading through his a bunch of, of traumas and stuff that shaped you know, Young Justice and Teen Titans uh, on the television. Um, so these two creators, uh, Marv and George, touched a lot of characters, Blade, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman, and of course the new Teen Titans. Uh, they Their work is very influential. They both have won Jack Kirby Awards, Inkpot Awards, Eagle Awards, as well as a host of individual honors. Um, they kind of come from interesting places, though. Uh, like, Wolfman got his start in horror publications before DC, uh, before moving to DC. Um, his first publication uh, with DC was Blackhawk 242. Uh, and I, kind I, of I'm always... Oh, sorry, I just wanted to say with a dumb joke, but I was going to say with a name like Wolfman, like, I feel like he could just show up, show them his name, and then they'd be like, all right, you've got the job. Interesting thing. (laughs) So he also created Werewolf by Night. And that changed the comic book code because prior to that, you were not allowed to have werewolves in comics because that was a horror element that was banned under the comic code. Um, so, so they, they, and they had to show proof that his, he was actually named Wolfman, uh, because they, the, to the code authorities, because they're like, oh, that's not a real name. And they're like, no, that's really his name. Uh, so it's, it's, you had to it's prove he wasn't an actual Wolfman. Exactly. Now, now, and his, and Marv's impact too, Sten's well beyond my comic book nerddom into my into my toy and cartoon nerddom he also created the beast machines 
which are getting a revival right now in the new Transformers movie. So like, he's touched my life on many levels, kind of the way. Um, now, and George uh, began his career in 73 as an assistant to uh, Rich Buckler. Um, Did you say he started his career at 73? No, in 73, 1973. <laughs> man, yeah. that would be amazing. No. Yeah, yeah. Man, late bloomer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's really like wait until your elder years to like pull out of the gate. Um, mm-hmm. But no, yeah, he started uh, debuting in a Aston- Marvel's Astonishing Tales in a parody of the Deathlock character, which uh, led to a job working on Deadly Hands of Kung Fu and Spider-Man uh, before starting his more regular gig uh, drawing for the Avengers in issue 141. Um, and you know, he's touched comic book characters from Superman to the X-Men and uh, everything in between. Uh, he has a very dynamic late Bronze Age style to him. So it's it's very realistic, but has a lot of the feel of like the, the action and motion that you get in a, in a Kirby uh, pen, a Kirby illustrated comic. Um, and he's like. Two of the most iconic uh, covers of all time, um, the Crisis on Infinite Earth with Death of Supergirl and the Thanos Infinity Gauntlet cover are both covers that he did. Wow. Oh, sick. Those are, yeah. Yeah. It's like, like when you think of DC, iconic DC and Marvel covers, both belong to him. Uh, so af- in 96, um, Nightwing had become pretty established uh, by that point. And he, but he was always still a, like a secondary character. Uh, like he was on a, on a team or he was helping Batman out. But in 1996, uh, Chuck Dixon and Scott McDaniel, who had been doing a limited series uh, with him being solo, uh, got the opportunity to launch the first modern age uh, or Iron Age, depending on how you want to name it, uh, version of, of Nightwing. Uh, on his own with the Nightwing number one. Um, it's a, I really enjoy the, the look. It's a, a very clean, uh, the coloring is a bit flat with high contrast blacks and very stylized shadows that you get in those like early to mid 90s uh, comic books. Uh, it was sort of the style of the time. Um, now, both were relative newcomers uh, to the industry. Um, when they they started, they'd had a bit of work under their belts. Chuck had worked on Savage Sword of Conan and Savage Tales. In the early early nineties, he wrote uh, the Punisher War uh, and the Robin miniseries for Detective Comics, uh, which really helped him have that understanding of Dick Grayson. Um, and o- over his career, he wrote seventy issues of Nightwing and returned for the two th- two thousand and five issue one hundred and one. Um, and he's also he also helped create uh, the Birds of Prey, so he's he's had some interesting uh, interesting impacts. Uh, McDaniel is also a pr- relative new newcomer to the industry. He attended med school, uh, dropped out of med school, and started doing chemistry, and then specialized in chemical engineering before dropping out of that and going into electrical engineering, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Within a couple of years after graduating, 
threw all of that to the wind and started illustrating uh, because he had a friendship with with Glenn Herding, who worked at Marvel. And he's like, that was his in. He's like, ah, what, who wants to be an engineer when you can like draw cool stuff for a living? I'm just uh, imagining his parents becoming more and more like increasingly disappointed with his parents. And his dad was oh. a doctor too. So he started oh, wow. his dad, his father was a, yeah, a surgeon. Um, <laughs> now, now he remains active to this day. He's penned everything from Spider-Man to Electra and Robin and Nightwing, of course. And he helped uh, with the reboot in the new 52. So a lot of the, loved slash hated decisions of that era um come back to to his style of art um so yeah so that is that is the history of nightwing and uh the creators in a, in a nutshell it's uh, and that's not even to go into the fact that uh dick grayson eventually gets to become batman for a yeah. period post yeah. bruce wayne's death he becomes a secret agent for a period like yeah. Dick Grayson has had a life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he really like doesn't just. Yeah, he like he's not like he started off. It's so funny because I'd always I wonder like what like Bob Kane and like uh, Bill Finger, who like originally like created Batman and Robin, like what they would think of like how Robin's like completely changed. Yeah. 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 No, I'm curious. Actually, is Night? Would you consider Nightwing to be your favorite comic book? Dick character? Grayson is my favorite comic book character of all time. I mean, I, I what I love about Dick Grayson is he has a life. Like he's grown. Like so many comic book characters are just static. Yeah, and I mean, Damien. I I think that Damien was an interesting addition as a Robin, and Tim Drake I love. Jason Todd, you know, although that he was the Robin when I was in a kid reading Batman, he always just was a little too edgy. You know, just, it was a little like, dude, <laughs> like take it back a step. Um, but I found like it's just you know, Dick has had growth, and yeah. and you don't see that with a lot of other comic book characters. What is it about Dick Grayson that like really caused you? Well, when I was young and like when i first when i first discovered this particular series the the 96 series by chuck dixon and scott mcdaniel um it was such a foreign concept to me that these characters could go through major changes um like bruce wayne is always batman clark kent is always superman Dick Grayson is always Robin until he's not question mark. Like there was something really like captivating to me at the time of somebody who could grow into their own and decide who they were going to be. Um, who didn't just continue on the path that they were set on that he took his destiny into his own hands he took up a new mantle. He moved to a new city. He was going to get a fresh start. He was going to be his own person. And that was such a new type of story for me to see in a comic book, uh, especially like superhero comic books. Um, and this particular run is so grounded and like, so like just such a, like a almost noir level crime thriller 
There's no like, Mr. Freeze has got a freeze ray and he's going to rob the bank. <laughs> There's no, you know, Clayface is, is uh, running amok or whatever. Like it's not Scarecrow Fear Toxin. It's not Man Bad. It's not these big fantastical characters that you're so used to seeing out of comic books and that you're so used to seeing Dick Grayson deal with as Robin. It's mm-hmm. what if you went to just the shittiest town full of the shittiest people <laughs> and your biggest challenge was the city itself was rotten to the core and you had to try to make heads or tails of it. Yeah. And there's no, there's no crazy superpowers to deal with. There's no, you know, bombastic villains. There's no colorful characters. It's all just gritty and gross and like morally gray. What do you do with that? And watching Dick kind of come to come into his own and become like his own guy was like so captivating and so interesting to me at the time because I'd never seen anything like it in a superhero book. And he's almost like he's almost like this like seventies film noir PI kind of thing. Mm. Like you've got like his, oh, there is yeah. a little bit of that, yeah. Because yeah. he is like because he's like in between, like he's lawful, but he's not like sort of to the letter of the law. And so yeah, it's kind yeah. of a cool. Yeah. What, what um, I, I like, uh, I find funny and interesting is his kind of like his self doubt like he's good and you get that in the issue where where tim drake robin is visiting yeah where he's like doesn't see his own self-worth which is a very 70s detective kind of trope where they're much better than they give themselves credit but but at the same time that 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 mental block gets in the way of their their own success a lot of times yeah so it's yeah and there's a lot of like, did Bruce send you? Are you going to report back to him? Like, like all of this, just like, I don't know who to trust kind of element to it too, which is very mm-hmm. much in, in that 70s detective thriller kind of mentality. Yeah, for sure. Like it really, for me, it had me guessing with like detective or inspector Holmes, investigator Soames, because he's like the guy. Yeah, who's Dudley Soames, yeah. Yeah, and it keeps going back and forth, like in the at least in the first couple of issues, like, like is he like kind of good because he's like criticizing the police, but then, yeah, and he's like helping him out, but then he's doing these other shady things, and that yeah. like you know until you finally like you know reveals what like where his cards are, but yeah, I really I really loved Soames as a character because I was like, oh, he is like the anti Jim Gordon, yeah. like yeah. Dick can't count on you know, allies in this place in the same way that he's used to. He is well and truly on his own here. Like he can't lean on the old institutions that he recognizes from Gotham. Mm -hmm. And Soames is such a compelling character because he seems to just, like he's on team Soames. Like, that's right. you know, he's, he's willing to ignore the police chief's orders and let Nightwing live because it serves his purpose in the moment. But then he's willing to give somebody else information about where Nightwing is to see if maybe they could kill him because it serves him in the per- like in that moment. Like he's just he's changing with the wind, always trying to be on the winning team. Yeah. It's it's Chinatown. You know, it's like Batman Chinatown. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you, you can't trust anybody. Like everything everybody's out to get you. Um yeah, yeah. yeah. and the noir tradition. For, yeah. Forget it, Tim. It's Bloodhaven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I th- yeah, I thought it was so cool. I mean, if you want, we, usually we like go over, I guess, like the main beats, but I want to hear more about what you think. And so, like, basically, like it's like, yeah, like Nightwing, Bat- it starts off right away where Batman kind of like, in almost like the beginning of a video game says like, all right, 21, like crooks are, like hoodlums are dead. The necks have all been snapped around back. You need to go to Bloodhaven to like find it out. And I think Batman maybe says like, oh, do you want, do you need me to come with you? But like, there's another cool thing about Nightwing. I think you kind of touched on it actually how like, he's like, no, like, it's like, this is something like Nightwing needs to do for himself. Like he's Mm -hmm. setting out on his own to go to this like crooked town. And like, you see him like, he as he kind of becomes between Robin and Batman. So he's not like all the way Batman in his like attitude, but he's also like kind of more mature and maybe a little more like, I don't want to say like grittier, but it seems like he's almost more, um, a little more like jaded or like sort of jaded, I think is a great word for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great word for it. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got that jaded like sort of feel. And then, yeah, like he basically like he runs a, a muck with, uh, um with Dudley Soames at the end of the first one where he's supposed to be killed but then he doesn't get killed but he like knows something's up and he's trying to find out like what's happened and uh he's looking for I'm I'm blanking right now on is it Marina or the name of the uh Marin Angel Marin Angel Marin exactly yeah the former uh guy the former hood who or a guy who was like controlling things and then the Turns out the Black Mask is taking over, like trying to take over, like the Bloodhaven territory. And what I think is also really cool is, like when that shows, I'm like, all right, so the Black Mask is going to be the main guy, who you're mm-hmm. villain. But then there's like another onion layer, and it just turns out that there's someone else who like is almost like pitting them against each other to like clean yeah. each other up. And uh, he keeps coming across uh, Reynold. Who's uh, one of the black masks guys in a fox? In a fox uh, mask, mask yeah. This, and this I thought was a lot of funny because by the third time Reno gets foiled by Nightwing, he's like, he's basically like, oh, not again! I'm gonna be so much. <laughs> um, I, I just lo- love how everybody's calling him Pajama Boy throughout yeah. the entire yeah. entire period. Like, oh, there's Pajama Boy is again. Zero <laughs> respect for superheroes in Bloodhaven. They're just like, I've yeah. seen these clowns on television. I'm not <laughs> having it. Like. <laughs> absolutely yeah so it's, yeah it's funny kind of how it's worked also we were talking about artwork on night haven uh or on sorry on uh nightwing and i mean it's one of those things where like when you see those suits i always think like because it's literally like form fitting to the muscle mm-hmm. whereas like, i was like how do they put those on those like, <laughs> it's like, so, like you see like every muscle like every little like uh glute and like yeah everything. yeah yeah. How I felt with Lady Vic, like just fully exposed. I'm like, you're gonna catch a cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that that must be some like really really good double sided tape going on there right? because there, there's no way that's structurally sound. No. Yeah, I was gonna say like, why would you like? Yeah, going into battle with cleavage, like. Um, it's bold. It's bold. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's you like, can use it to your advantage. I think. Yeah, I think but... if you were to ask her, she'd be like. When you ask Batman why his logo is yellow, he'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It's true. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, actually, and she was another really cool character, though. Uh, yeah, I really liked her. Yeah, I've never but- seen her in anything before. And I, I'm actually not certain whether or not she's an original character 
created within the confines of that run. Um, but I'd never seen her before. And I was, that was one of the things that I really loved about that run is like, with the exception of like black mask showing up at the beginning and then kind of being like a red herring, like there's not a lot of like, Hey, here, here comes that guy. You like, here he is mm. special from Gotham. Hey, you know, there's not a lot of that. Like Tim comes to say hi. And in later issues, Batman comes to like, make sure everything's going according to plan. Later, Scarecrow shows up for a couple issues, but like for the, like if you look at the run like as a whole, the, it's a very confident run that they're just like, no, this is not a this is not a Batman comic starring Nightwing. This is a Nightwing comic. He's got his own stuff going on, and that includes a Rogues Gallery. Mm. Yeah, and I and also like it establishes its own. It does such a great job because I didn't know about Bloodhaven before, and I was talking to Matt, and he said it's kind of like. Gotham's Jersey City and yeah. they really they really like established this like sort of blood haven like like sort of the mythology of the town so quickly and also like you said like new rogues like there's other like criminals and even guys who get killed because then uh you know Reynold gets killed by the end of the uh thing but like you still have that and there's like even like some clown-faced guy who tries to kill him at first and then Reynold is like ha like quicker on the draw or whatever yep and it was like i was like i've never seen this guy he's not associated with the joker in any way it was just like here's another uh yeah like just here's another like bloodhaven goon who's like yeah like part of the whole like town and how it all works so yeah so i thought that i thought that was really cool and then eventually and i believe it's the second last issue it's revealed that uh blockbuster who isn't a character who i know too much about uh like he's like sort of the guy who's been oh we should say second last issue of the first the first trade which is the first eight issues that's right yeah so it's at the end of issue seven exactly yeah yeah. um yeah and so like he shows up who like i and i didn't even i didn't know his backstory too much but even then he's got more of a like nightwing slash uh dick grayson connection because I think that they fought he fought him when he was with tight with the Teen Titans, wasn't it? Yeah. Or am I mistaking that? Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. So like, so even then, like the big bad, it's not like it turns out it's Joker or you know someone else yep. or you know like Two Face or someone, which they could do, and I'd be like, sure. But the fact that they still it they really did a great job, as you said, Ashley, of keeping it like Nightwing focused, and this is Nightwing's town the way Gotham is Batman's town. And I think the thing that's great about Blockbuster being the ultimate big bad of the run and he tur- what that he turns out to be like the guy taking over Bloodhaven is that it, he is sharing the same arc that Dick is, mm. right? He's a number two who's growing his ambitions and using Bloodhaven to do it. And I think right. that's so that great. Time. Because yeah. the investigation, right? Like the investigation has the swerve of like, it's not Black Mask, which like on like a meta level is the storytellers being like, it's not a Batman comic, guys. Sorry. Right? And then it mm-hmm. swerves you into Blockbuster, who you're like, oh, like second fiddle Blockbuster guy like him? <laughs> and they're like, no, he's bigger. He's badder. He's smarter now. He's the new number one. So's Dick. Like Dick is Dick is not second fiddle in his own book. He's his own guy now. Like they're both in the spotlight 
solo for the first time now. Right. And I was going to say, is it this is where they introduce Blockbuster after he's sort of powered up? Like, yeah, this is. Yeah, because I, because for char- listeners who haven't necessarily been familiar with the character, he was a genius, but wanted to be like physically impressive, did a treatment on himself that made him super dumb, but jacked. And then he was like, oh, I don't want to be dumb and and compensated for that in the gap that led to this. So this is the first time we're seeing him as like a super genius and super strong. Yeah, I think he's kind of smart Hulk now. (laughs) (laughs) If Professor Hulk made all the bad moves, (laughs) (laughs) just got in with the wrong people and yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's right. if like if you actually had the chance to let's say like write like either a night like a Nightwing video game or like they did a Nightwing movie, like would this almost feel like the right one, like almost the right arc to like take it from or to take most of the influence from? It depends on what you want out of a Nightwing story, honestly. Like, I think for a lot of people, they want to see like a really like when they see superhero movies, they want to see a big, you know, spectacular thing that this necessarily might not fit the bill for. But then everybody really liked Matt Reeves, the Batman. And that is much more of a small scale grounded crime thriller that stars a guy that dresses up as a bat. Um, (laughs) So there might be, there might be room for, you know, for a more kind of hard boiled detective story starring Nightwing you know, especially you probably if you're making a Nightwing movie, you're probably not making a hundred and fifty million dollar movie out of it, right? It's probably going to be something a little more economical, and so I think that, like this story serves really well for that. Um, fun fact: when I was in uh, film school, I as a writing exercise, I tried to adapt this as a this this run right, as a as right. a feature film, just to like see how like the concepts translate and how you would take like a series of five still images on a, a comic page and turn it into, you know, an action scene, you know, uh, oh. right on the page. Um, that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is funny yeah, if you ever see James Gunn, you can pitch this. <laughs> yeah. James, I've got an idea. <laughs> well, they're already making a Nightwing movie, apparently. Oh, or, maybe, wow. or, maybe it's, or maybe it's not because it's, it's all James Gunn's show now. But before mm-hmm. before James Gunn's show uh, took over and everything, there was a Nightwing movie in in development uh, with the director from Lego Batman. Oh, oh wow. Cool. wow! And so I don't know if that's still a th- I don't know if that's still a thing. Uh, if it's still in active development, if it's going to be part of James Gunn's DCU or what? The- well, they could because they're picking up from like Damian Wayne. So the implication yeah, he's being, be brave and bold. Yeah. Yeah. So the implication is this is a Batman that's got a history, which is kind yeah. of like the new 52 It's where when they rebooted with the new 52 it's like Superman's new Wonder Woman's new Aquaman's new, but Batman's, Batman's being around around. for ages. Yeah. 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 So even still a, a weirdly condensed timeline, but yeah. <laughs> it still has a history. Yeah. So, so I remember, so, I remember yeah. them trying to make sense of that condensed timeline when it was first coming out and people being like, there have been, 50 robins in the time that he's been batman how is that possible and (laughs) somebody on the editorial team was like being robins like uh an internship and everybody everybody just like took that and just like laughed about it for weeks Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just, yeah, I was just going to say, like, because I, like, I didn't know that much about Nightwing before reading this. And I just knew it was like, you know, I'd seen him show up in others. Like, it was the first time I'd read Nightwing where it's, like, about Nightwing. And so it was cool, like, when you're taught, because just like when I was reading this, and then when you were talking about how Blockbuster has the same arc, I was like, oh, that's perfect. Because, like, it's really, like, you know, it's cool when you see how, like, the hero and the villain kind of have the same arc. But just like, you know, one person's going in like, you know, the, I guess, evil direction. One person's going in, you know, the good or the heroic direction. And so to see that parallel without having the, you know, bad guy say, you know, you and I are We're two not sides so of the different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now in, in the first, I guess it's the first two issues. That's it. He has a ponytail that is a real choice. I mean, that yes. is like yes. pure 90s comic book design aesthetic yes. right there. It's like, that, oh, is, that, that, is, that, is, that is a canon ponytail, sir. He, <laughs> that was, they, they inherited that ponytail, and at the first opportunity, they chopped it off. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I have to say, like, his acknowledgement of it, like, it took me a long time to grow that. that is, <laughs> okay, that is pretty awesome. Like, if you're yeah. going to dress, you got to address it. <laughs> although for like a knife point haircut it looked pretty good afterwards i mean like when you're as sexy as dick grayson you can wear anything (laughs) (laughs) he he knows how to make it work right yeah Yeah. well and it's funny because like also i guess with ponytails much like like you know battle cleavage also like can get in the way and cause problems so well, that's it why he's got be. it in a pony, man. You can't just have that <laughs> that wondrous mane flying all over the place. You gotta keep that shit under control. Mm-hmm. That's true, but that's what I mean. Like it, like you need like sh- almost shorter hair to like, yeah, yeah, keep it in there. One of the things I really loved about this run too is it feels like it solid. It's the starting of the solid solidification of the Bat family, where you have dick and tim with this really brotherly relationship and and it takes tim explaining to dick how his relationship is different to to bruce yeah and and it really felt like it felt like a family moment and you don't get again you don't get that in a lot of comic books because you don't have growth coming through and i i really i really enjoyed that about this run yeah, it does feel like it's early in that relationship and that they're still feeling each other out and like they don't, you know, like I think in the in a latter uh issue Barbara even calls him the new kid or something something along oh, those lines. Right. And it's yeah. because is like that's how that's how they talk about him because he's kind of just shown up like um it's really fun to go back and realize like oh yeah, these these people weren't all you know, like born into this relationship. Like we take it for granted now, right? Like this comic runs from 96, you know? So we've had a lot of time to grow familiar with, oh, Tim's dynamic to Dick and Dick's dynamic to Jason and Jason's dynamic to Barbara and so on and so forth. But like, they were all new to each other at one point, you know? Yeah. And I I also say, just wanted to quote, like Barbara and Dick have a really cool relationship because Barbara's like, Basically, like, you know, like, our bat dad can, like, help you out with this. And it's like, no, I want to talk to you. And it's like, no, sis, I want to talk to you about this. Like, you're the one who I want to have 
uh, with me. And so you can see it's almost like these like sibling dynamics with like Barbara, Dick and Tim kind of thing. Yeah. And then there's our like ominous dad who's always like lurking in the back <laughs> of our minds. Yeah. And it is it's in that same vein, like when he's talking to Wally, uh, like he's getting in touch with all of his Teen Titan buddies, too. Uh, and, and it's just this sort of like ha- like hangdog kind of. Yeah, I don't really want to be calling you, but I need to call you. And like Wally's like gone pure yuppie for some reason. I don't remember him being like that, but like that little suit and like zipping around. And the the thing I love the most, there's the frame where he's all of a sudden dressed, going from like towel to dressed. But you can tell he's like bored with the conversation already because his foot is just like rapidly moving. Yeah, yeah, just buzzing. And it's like it's like it's like that's pure Wally. You know, I, I don't agree with the, ch- the style choice, but the energy is there. <laughs> it's also like, I think that should, like how good like the the drawing was and like how everything yeah was laid out. We're I, talking- I, I oh, fell ahead. in love with this book through the art because it has such a bold, clean aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And then it's the coloring that really brings it down to like kind of the gritty noir vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, the but the first issue, the the my in for this series was issue number seven, and I don't oh. know if you read it as a trade or if you read it uh, like individually issued, like uh, however. But the cover for issue seven is this beautiful piece of Nightwing flipping around through a rooftop, but it has this gorgeous sense of movement because you can see kind of like the phantom shapes Mm -hmm. of where he used to be. So you can actually plot his movement through the area. And it's the first time I'd ever seen it laid out like that. And they do it a lot in the action scenes as well. So you can get a sense of movement throughout a single panel. So some stuff that different artists would take three or four panels to be able to communicate, they're doing it in one. Right. Yeah. And it's like so clean and so nice and such great visual storytelling. Um, and I actually, so this is, this is the comic book series that I've followed the longest on a month to month basis. I have the first, I think 53 issues uh, of this series mm-hmm. in, in floppies, like in, in like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like single issues. Um, and when I was younger, I got so mad when they changed the artist that I stopped. Like oh, that's wow. how much I loved the art in this book. Now I realize that was silly and that I should have kept reading it because it's probably <laughs> still very good. Um, but at the time, like I was so art forward and like what my love for this thing was that I was like, you got rid of McDaniel. Like, and uh, like, <laughs> and for the best of reasons, that guy went on to, to do uh, no man's La- Batman, no man's land. And like a bunch of really big books, like Nightwing really did become like a big launching off point for him. Um, so more power to him and, and, you know, I'm glad he got to go do all the cool things he did. But like, when I was like really young, I was like, I don't like change. And I mean, that, that 90s style either works really well or doesn't at all. And that he made it work is all the more impressive. Like, because you look at like a bunch of wild storm comics, sim- same yeah. era, similar style. And it just, or the X Men, even from like the from X Men, in in like ninety era X Men. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like 
it doesn't come together the same way, but it's the dynamic, like you said, the motion and the dynamic nature of the imagery that just breathes life into the, into the, the, the page. I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. How, how about you, Lainey? Like, had you read a lot of Nightwing before or? No, this was my first, like I, I knew the character from other stuff, but like my, this was my first Nightwing comic run and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like there's something about someone branching out on their own to follow their own path in their own city away from everything that they're most comfortable with. Like, I love the part where he's talking about like how, um, uh, he has to come up with first and last rent. And he's like, oh, well, Bruce has always covered this for me. <laughs> I, I got to find a job. Like, <laughs> there's just something about like just the whole journey of adulting as a whole that like just really resonated with me so well. And just like that he finds his own. He finds like this connection to the city that he hadn't really spent much time in before, like and just felt that need to protect it. Like just, yeah, it was a really, really great run to read for sure. Yeah, it's interesting because there's so all those different like layers to it. There's also, yeah, it was very much like, you know, like going off to university or, you know, like getting out of town being like. That was a big part of the appeal for me when I first discovered it, because I grew up in Hamilton, which is a city about an hour away from Toronto. And it is a black hole where ambition goes to die. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going to say, if, if Canada yeah. had a blood haven. I was going to say Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> and so I always knew growing up, like, I need to get out of here if I want to do anything interesting. Like, everybody that I knew, like, nobody's family's left. Like, anybody that was still there was, like, just doing Joe jobs and stuff. And, like, they were happy, which is fine. Like, there's no no shade to people who are just happy doing a nine-to-fiver or whatever, right? But I was like, oh, I want to do, like, these big, ambitious things. And I don't feel like I can do it here. I have to find myself somewhere else. And so to have this story of a guy that was like literally doing that, I was like, oh, like in a weird way, like it helped make it real. Like even though mm -hmm. it was in like a superhero comic, it was like, oh, he's doing it. I could do it. Like, you know, he's just a guy, you know, it's not yeah. Superman. <laughs> it's not like Superman's leaving Metropolis to go to North Carolina or something. Like it's, it's just mm -hmm. Dick Grayson. Like he's just a dude. Like he's not even a rich dude like Bruce Wayne. He's just a guy. Like, mm -hmm. and so it made it real. Like if he can, if he can leave and do it on his own, then anybody could. And, and there was some fun, they play with the genre, the, a few genres in there. You also have like a sitcom element, especially when it comes to how he's like interacting with the super absolutely and, yeah, yeah. And, and it's like it's kind of like okay not every moment is super heavy or super dark which especially in this era of batman like i'd say like from i'd say, yeah from the dark night forward like batman just got so unrelentingly dark yeah all the time i mean you get things like death in the family and on and on and on and nightfall and, and yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. there's no no brightness, and yeah. I mean it doesn't, and it doesn't go like to the extreme of like 1960s Batman, but you get some silliness there, you get some playfulness. Although when he does meet his super and she's eating ice cream in the middle of winter, I was like, okay, that that's a bit too far. <laughs> like that, that broke my reality. Who eats ice cream in the snow? <laughs> It's but, only because she's from Blood Havens where they don't care what. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 don't, they have worse problems rules. to deal with. Yes. <laughs> yeah. One of one of my one of my proudest 
achievements in my work on Gotham Knights was that I got to I got to write Bridget Clancy into the game. Just oh, just cool. an, just in an email, she sends an email to Dick to to say that she's going to be in town and they should hang out or whatever. But like I I, I try everywhere I could, I was throwing. <laughs> I was throwing '90s Nightwing comic references into his emails and his backstory and stuff. Awesome! <laughs> so, cool. so now, if anyone, we were playing that game, and you get to that Bridget Clancy email, you'll be like, "That's some authentic Ashley Cooper writing." Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to go back and replay that and look for like all these these little little tidbits. There's yeah. also uh, there's also uh, a chain of emails between Dick and Lois Lane. Uh, <laughs> She reports to him that since Nightwing has been in Gotham, uh, some clown running around in a hockey jersey that reads Nightwing, N-I-T-E wing, uh, has been running around <laughs> pretending to be a vigilante. Uh, and that's that's part of our later run in in the book. Um, oh, but in, in the continuity of Gotham Knights, uh, while Dick is dealing with the Court of Owls, he's called on superman to deal with bloodhaven so in our version like <laughs> lois lane sends superman to go deal with this guy in a hockey jersey <laughs> <laughs> oh and, and that's one of the things I, I i genuinely love about that game actually is the interaction between the different characters it's so organic and real feeling too yeah like like it's just everybody like, was everybody on that on that narrative team were such huge fans of those characters that like it just it was just a wellspring of like oh my god you know it would be fun oh my god you know who would be cool to hear from like they were just everybody was pulling from their deepest love and affection of these characters all the time that sounds like like honestly like such a, like the most fun job ever it'd be like you know, when you think back to when you're a kid and your parents are saying like, like, Ashley, like, stop playing so many video games or whatever. And then it'll be like, <laughs> like in your mind, like, no, mom, it's going to be my job one day. My parents, <laughs> my parents, to their credit, my parents, to their credit, never gave me shit about reading too many comics, playing too many video yeah. games, watching too many movies. Like anytime they saw that I was obsessive over something, they encouraged it. They were like, there's something about it that she's really into. Like, I've always been really creative. Like, from the time I could pick up a pencil, I was drawing terrible doodles and stuff like that. Um, but my teachers, my teachers yeah. hated my obsession <laughs> with comic books. I had an art teacher in high school who would get mad at me because I would find a way to twist every assignment in art class into <laughs> an excuse to draw superheroes. And she, at one point she was like Ashley not everything is about superheroes and I was like I did the assignment though right and she's like yes yeah. and I was like, like and I did it to your specifications right she's like yes I was like I got an 89 on it she's like yes but and I'm like uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm like I'm doing okay I don't know yeah. you know and then now I write superheroes so <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's like, Ashley, we need someone, we need you to draw someone sniff, like, you know, stopping to smell the flowers. You're like, here's poison ivy. Or like, exactly. <laughs> it, it was literally stuff like that. Like, it was wow. like, oh, do I have to draw a garden? Okay, poison ivy's in there. Do I have yeah. to draw uh, a rooftop? Batman's on it. Do I have to draw a skyline? <laughs> Spider Man's swinging through it. Like, yeah. it was just, there was always something. I was always finding a way. <laughs> Show us the duality of man, Two Face. Like, (laughs) (laughs) 
so if people wanted to find you on social media uh, or, or some of your work, where, where can they, they find that? Uh, I'm on Twitter still, uh, against my better judgment, as <laughs> at Ash Writes Games. I'm also on Blue Sky as at Ashley Cooper. Awesome. All right. And you well, do, I was also good. wanting to say, just to like plug something that you've done that's also very charitable, Ashley. Like every year for sick kids, are you still doing like your video yes, game? Yes. Yeah. Um, every year for the last six years in November, I participate in a charity marathon uh, called uh, Extra Life. It is a fundraiser for Sick Kids Children's Hospital in Toronto. And I play video games for 24 hours live on Twitch uh, in order to raise money for Sick Kids. Um, and it's every November. So it's starting to starting to sneak up on me already. I got to start planning it because I always try to do like a big blowout bash with like prizes and raffles and stuff like that. Um, but it's always a lot of fun. And I will definitely be doing it again this year. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thanks very much for joining us. And uh, I don't know who wants to come up with a quippy, quippy <laughs> outro. I'm running out of Stan Lee references at this point. Yeah. <laughs> We've been doing, yeah, like Excelsior and stuff like that. But yeah, we need to, I guess, either lock that down or research more new ones. Enough said. been listening to Detecting the Marvelous, a Far From Here Productions and showbizmonkeys.com co-production. Your producers have been Dan Rosen, Lainey LaRose, and Matt Ardell. Music composed by Glenn Bouchamp. And art by Ben Steamroller. Thanks for listening, and remember, true believers, Excelsior! Excelsior!